We're dealing with a series called Unstuck. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm tired of mediocre Christianity. Have you ever reached that place where you're just like, God, if this is all there is, I'm done with it? Have you ever? I mean, I've been there. We've all been there. But there has to be a place where you, you get your feet out of the muck and the grime and the grind of everyday life, and you realize that there is a life that you're supposed to be leading and the problem is, is we've gotten over into this mindset to live a, a prosperity lifestyle because of my background in the word of faith. Everybody thinks when I say the word prosperity, I'm fixing to preach money to you. Well, that's not the case. Uh, prosperity is simply being peaceful in every area. My God in heaven, wouldn't you want that? Uh, I, I, know, I know people with millions uh, that committed suicide. I know them personally. And I know people that ain't got nothing and are happy as a pig in new mud. So there's got to be a balance there somewhere. And what we've done is I've worked really hard over the last, this started out to be a three-part series, and I think we're in number eight now. (laughs) So real quick, there are six steps that happened. That happened, uh, uh, we dealt with this on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. This is how it starts. You crucify whatever it is that's going on with you, your reaction to it or it's, its pull on you, you must first crucify it, right? And secondly, what's the second thing? Once you crucify, you got to do what? You got to let it die. The problem is we leave a whole lot of stuff on the altar and pick it up and take it back with us. So you got to let it die. Then once you let it die, you've got to bury it, which means it's got to become a memory. The problem with things that you try to, to let die, but you don't bury it and let it become a memory, you keep reminding yourself of its activity in your life today, which means your voice has resurrection power, which means you bring it back to life, into your life, and we don't want that. So that's what the old man does. The old man has to crucify, the old man has to bury, uh, or has to let it die, and the old man has to bury. Now we've stepped over into the new man, amen? We've stepped over into the spirit side of this thing, which means now that it's dead and buried, everything that had us has no say in our life. Now, it's, it's really a simple, uh, it's just as simple as this. If I have, let me just say it this way. If I was to pass away tomorrow, which is not going to happen because I'm going to live a long and fruitful life. But, but if by some chance I did, and, and April, because I'm, I'm the best man ever, she never wants to marry nobody else. But 20 years from now, she decides she's found somebody because she's older then, and, you know, she can. It's gotta, she gotta, I told her she got to take 20. She can't just marry somebody. She don't even like me talking about this stuff. But at that point, I have what? No say. Because at that point, I'm a memory. Now, I'm a very vivid memory. We had soul ties together. We had things that happened in life. We have children together. We have, we have reminders of things. But really and truthfully, I have no voice. Now, when you step over into the quick and lifestyle, you have to understand that crucified, dead, buried, quickened, raised, seated. Those are the six steps that we've heard in theological sermons our whole life. But what do they mean? See, we're all in the first three. Everybody's in the, somewhere in the first three. Most Christians never get over into the next part of it because they can't let things that had them become memories. See, I was a drug addict, and to me, that's a life I can't even remember. It's almost a fog to me. My kids will say, Dad, tell me some stories, and I have to work hard to remember the guy I used to be because he's dead, buried, and and he's a memory to me because I have woken up to this whole new lifestyle that I can listen to my Lord, that I can be full of His Spirit, and because I'm guided by His Spirit, I can, I can be what His Spirit created me to originally be. But yet I polluted it with all the other stuff. 
You're not just a new creation when you get saved. We like to say that. You're a new creation in Christ. You're actually not. Well, that's what the Word says. That's what the King James says. Don't get, y'all don't get mad at me about this King James stuff, but there's some flaws in there. The, 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 the new, the, when it says you're a new creation, the translation in the Aramaic and in the Hebrew is actually the original creation. Which you've gone back to the original intent of how you were created to be originally. Which means God created you to be something. And it's up to you. Now this may be offensive to you, but it's up to you how long this process takes. This whole seed time and harvest thing, there is a time in there, but that time is the time of realizing that God has called you to be something greater than you are. That's a time of realizing that your flesh has no say over your spirit. That's a time of realizing that you don't have to live life understanding uh, uh, what the world says and going by it, but you can understand what the Holy Spirit of God says to you and go by what He says. Whether it makes sense or not, if He says it to you, He's going to find a way to make it happen. And what you don't know is He ain't got to find a way. He's already created one. There is a way of escape for everything. Now let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll do a quick refresher and then I want to get into some things. I got some things I really have to say to you today. And, and uh, y'all, I, I really, we're going to make these CDs available once they're finished and, and all of that stuff. But I had no idea that I was going to be going this long into this series. But would you agree with me? This is probably one of the most life-changing things that we've preached at this church. This is literally me studying it has changed my life. Ephesians 4, verse 20. Why do we struggle? Now understand he's speaking to Christians. Verse 20. You have not learned Christ. He's speaking to Christians. You have not learned Christ. Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, listen, Concerning the former what? Conversation. The old man, which is what? Corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. That you, listen, here we go. That you put on the new man. The Amplified says it this way. That you regenerate yourself in the spirit. You don't have an opportunity to fail. You have an opportunity to win that you're not taking. I, I'm, I'm trying to just, I, I really, I got some things I really need to get into, but before we get there, you've got to see it. Put on the new man, regenerate, created in God's image and God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is, listen, we, we use the word righteousness and we use volume and bass in our voice, but righteousness is standing right before him as if you never did anything wrong. It's not an issue that you have failed or haven't failed. It's an issue have you accepted that your failure has no more voice in your life. If you can accept that your failure can't speak to you any longer, then you can walk into a whole new lifestyle you didn't think existed. And that's what we want for all of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Cameron, put that up, please. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. 1 Corinthians 15 to 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ uh, Jesus our Lord, that I die daily. Y'all remember we dealt with this. I'm, I'm just touching on some stuff. Y'all remember we dealt with the fact when he said I die daily, this is not the mindset, the mindset that I must crucify myself daily. That's not what this is. 
This is Paul saying, I put my life on the line for the gospel every day. I'm out here fighting bears and lions. That's, if you read on, that's what he's saying. But then when you deal with this and you get over to where the Bible says uh, simply that to live as Christ and to die as gain, people equate these two scriptures together and they have nothing to do with each other. This scripture talks about physical death. I'm putting my life, my physical life on the line. The other scripture says this, I have to die to what this world says to me. And to live Christ, which is learning Christ, to die to that stuff is living gain. Now, I don't have time to really go back and re-preach that message. I think that was like part three or part four. But what you've got to see in all this is the simple fact that God wants to put you in a place that you've never been uh, spiritually. He wants to speak to you in ways you've never heard him. And the problem with Christians are we put God, well, well we, we're, you know, we're this and we're that. We've been saved this and we go to this church and we're a deacon and bless God we're this and that. Come on, man. At some, at some point, you've got to keep growing. And we get stagnant. And it's really sad for me as a pastor to go through and read scriptures that I was taught 25 years ago, 15 years ago, even five years ago, and realize that I had no idea what I was reading. And we just shout and run and have a good time. And as long as we get to the chicken place before 12, we're good. And we call that church. Y'all okay? I, I, this is just a review. Let's, let's, let's deal with this real quick. So let's, let's move on. Once you go through this, once you understand that how the scriptures tie together the way they're supposed to, you stop thinking in terms of, I must die to self. I must die to self. I must die to self. No, no, no. You don't die to self. You, if you die to self, then you're disconnected from yourself. God never wanted you to die to yourself. He wanted you to die to what yourself wants. If you die to self, you die. I used to pray all the time, Lord, kill this wicked flesh. I had no idea I was putting myself in a grave. This is what I live in. This is the earth suit. I mean, are y'all, hello? Are we awake? April, go crank the coffee up. Y'all quiet today. Y'all must have come ready. Y'all either came ready or y'all stayed out in the club way too late last night. <laughs> now, here's the thing. When you become quickened, let's, let's, just, let's just deal with it. Colossians 2 and 12. Colossians 2 and 12. We're going to get into this thing. I had to do a, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to review seven messages. And that's the best I can give you. So here we go. Colossians 2 and 12. Buried with him in baptism. Now, I don't have time to deal with baptism, and baptism is very necessary. I realize that we don't have a baptismal here yet, but we're working on that because that's very necessary. But we'll move on to something else. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Here we go, verse 13. And you, say me, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He has quickened together with him, having doing what? Forgiven. In all your junk, he's still finding a way to forgive you. This is quickening. This is realizing I don't have to live death. This is realizing God's not imputing my sin against me. This is realizing God's not out to get me. He's not mad at me. He's not angry with me. He's not reminding me. Listen, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and you're the one listening to him. All right, here we go. Let's move on. <clears throat> Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, 
which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And verse 15 is one of my favorite scriptures. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. It's one thing for something to die because anything that dies can be resurrected. Your sin that you struggle with, that you crucify to, and that you think it's died, your voice can call that thing alive back in your life. Anything that dies can be resurrected, which means your marriage ain't too bad, your kids ain't too bad, your career ain't too bad. But anything that's spoiled never comes back. So if he spoiled principalities and powers, the only thing they have over you is influence. And you're listening to it. If you can recognize that you don't have to listen to what the enemy says because you're above him, you don't have to live the enemy lifestyle. Your peace and your joy in your life is directly connected and correlated with your ability to listen to the Spirit of God and find his path. I can tell when somebody's not on the path because they're not in peace and they're not in joy. They're not. They're just not. And, and that, that peace is your guide. Peace is the way to go. Peace is where you want to step into. And once you are being dead, and once something's dead and is quickened and made alive, it's made alive into a place that you've never been before. Here is the issue. Lazarus, John chapter 1, uh, verse 43, 44, 45, says that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came hopping out of a grave that it took him his whole life to build and was completely happy that he was alive because he was just dead. That's where Christians are. Completely happy with just being, I'm just going to heaven, praise the Lord. And in six months, they're so burnt out, they don't even want to come to church anymore because they still are covered in something they need to be loose from. You think that's just some random statement, loose that man and let him go? No, you've got to walk in that with every single breath you have because you're wrapped up in things in this life that you're hanging on to. It's not the devil. Quit hitting your face and giving him credit. You stand your head up, your shoulders back, and you know that you've already won if you'll just accept it. You have victory. Having spoiled principalities and powers... Now look, I said this, and I really want you to hear this. God made Jesus everything he wants you to be. That, that is probably one of the greatest statements I ever heard the Lord say to me. He made Jesus everything he wants you to be. Now watch this. He made Jesus flesh to walk this planet to show you as an example, somebody who is submitted to the Spirit of God, how when they speak, things have to happen. Because he didn't do anything on his own. The biggest problem with quote-unquote spiritual people is they try to use their spirituality to influence people and they don't understand they're supposed to hear God first. All of us, all of us quote-unquote spiritual Pentecostal people, we think we know more. We don't know nothing. We don't even know how to hear God. We hear ourselves. So here's the thing. Jesus came to be an example. But listen to me. Once his season, oh, y'all got to hear this. Once his season of being an example was over, because he made Jesus everything he wants us to be, 
Once this season of being an example was over, he transferred into becoming everything we already were. Somebody had to take it off of us. So he had to become everything God hated, which is what we were, so we could become everything God desires. And when it died, he spoiled it. Oh, y'all seeing this? You, you got to stop listening to the third voice. The enemy in the garden was the third voice. Well, I thought there was four voices. God was like, no, 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 no. Adam and Eve were one flesh. They were one flesh. There was their voice. There was God's voice. And there was Lucifer's voice. And the issue was the third voice. And y'all are inundated daily with the third voice. You can't even see an interview. You can't even see an interview on TV without something. You can't see a cashew commercial without seeing a naked woman. I mean, it's ridiculous. We are living in a day and time that we're so fastly progressing back to what we thought we were free from. And this is what you've got to understand. If you don't get free from this stuff, you have to realize that what you think, listen, oh, please, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you've got to hear this. If you don't get free, what you think is freedom, and I said think, what you've reasoned in your mind. Now, we know about reasoning. What you think is freedom, I'm telling you what, I couldn't wait. I could not wait till school was out and I was 18 years old and I loaded up that El Camino and I was out. I've been back to Grand Bay a handful of times. I wanted free from Mama's house until I realized Mama paid the bills. <laughs> Mama fed me. You see, when you reason yourself into freedom, the freedom becomes the cage you live in. If it's not God's. And we've done that in church. All denominations have a version of it. You know, all, you know I can speak to the word of faith and, and Pentecostal uh, uh, mindsets. We, we tell people, well, bless God, you just get baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues, you'll be fine. People don't even understand what that means anymore. Because we've made such an open show and made the Holy Spirit look like a fool. And he is the most gentle, non-aggressive personality on the planet. He is meant to release wisdom. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that, 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 that when, when there's a heaven and earth kiss and explosion in revival. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about on an everyday mindset of how churches work. You can, like I said, we can go to the restaurant and see all the denominations sitting away from each other. Because one of them finds something crazy about the other one. Y'all, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in loving Jesus. And we're supposed to be everything he was. The only time he came against anybody other than uh, uh, religious people was demonic activity. He never came against regular folks. And we got Christian beating up regular people. People that don't know nothing about the Lord. We can't even show love. How are we going to walk in the glory and the power and the miraculous if we can't show love? Are y'all seeing this? This is the quickened life. Most people can't love because they don't love themselves. They've created a cage for themselves and they live in it and they're stuck in it because they don't understand and this is what you've got to get and if I don't get, if you don't get this, we can't go on to the last two because you have five physical senses. Anybody know what they are? Y'all don't know what your senses are. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'll just read them because I wrote them down. 
Hearing, touch, sight, taste, smell. Satan, listen to me now. I'm fixing to give you revelation. I don't care what kind of church you grew up in if you've never been to church. I don't care if you pray all day long on your knees or if you just pray for five minutes. I don't care if you ain't prayed in 20 years. You need to hear what I'm about to say because it will make you realize just how much you're defeated every day and you don't have to be. Because I realize this. I am not perfect, but I'm different. I realize that uh, I got the best advice from a minister I've ever got. Be sweet. You don't have the right to be ugly to nobody. All these years I've been sitting at tables with deep people. Somebody said that one statement changed my life. And here it is. Hearing, touch, sight, taste, smell. This is exactly, listen to me. Jesus was the second Adam, which means how Adam and Eve walked the first time was we were supposed to walk that way. Your five physical senses are what Satan's going to use every single time to get your attention. He said to Eve, he said, has God said? Hearing, think about it. Then he says, God said you shall not touch, which piqued her interest physically. She wanted to touch something. Then he goes and says, uh, he, says he tells her that she, uh, she looked at it. She saw that the tree was good and pleasant to the eyes. Then she tasted of it. And all these different things. Satan used her senses to spark lust in her for something she had never experienced. But when you live by your five physical senses and you understand that Satan will use those five physical senses, look what he did. Did you hear what she said? What is that? What is that smell? I smell reefer. I can smell it a mile away. He will use everything to pull. Listen to me. Why? Because he wants to pull you to a physical mindset that you respond in a physical way. This is why the Bible's real clear on just keeping your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. If you don't know what you're supposed to say from the Lord, just keep your mouth shut. Because what you're going to say is going to bear fruit. It's, it might come up spoiled. It might come up rotted. It might be something you don't want to deal with. It might be something you don't want to have to look at anymore. But what you deal with is going to show up. Now, when you get over into, well, pastor, how are you, you going to deal with that spiritually? Well, let me tell you how. You've got same, the same five senses in the spirit. Your touch. I like, uh, a lot of people don't like the word feel, but it, that's what it is, your feeling. You have to, listen to me now. I hope this opens your eyes. You have to feel the freedom of grace. You have to feel the fact, and I'm talking about spiritually. You have to feel in your heart and in your mind the fact that God ain't mad at you. If you've been beat up your whole life by preachers that just tell you you're a dirty sinner and you're going to hell, we've bred a mindset that we can't feel freedom in that. Well, preacher, you can't preach freedom because if you preach freedom, they'll just do what they want to. They're doing what they want to anyway. They don't need a license to sin. Why do we get shocked when people do what they do? That's what they do. You have to feel free to be able to flow in him and know that even if you miss it, I've heard this my whole life. Well, I, you know, the Lord spoke. I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to do something, but I didn't want, I didn't want to miss it. Man, swing and miss. At least you tried something. Don't just sit in the house and die. And miss every opportunity God ever gave you to do something great. You have to feel the freedom of grace. You have to hear the Spirit of God. Listen to me. Here's the one most important ones. You have to see 
the finished work of the cross. This whole, listen to me now. Well, pastor, we got we to carry our cross daily. You know what that means? Do y'all really know what that means? To carry your cross daily means that you pick up the fact that you're not burdened. You pick up the fact that everything that ever held you died on this. Well, you know, pastor, you, know, you got to carry that cross and you, it's burdensome, it's heavy. No, it's not. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is not schizophrenic. Y'all have got to understand that. We don't tie scriptures together like we're supposed to. We preach what we've always heard and we get what we've always gotten. Y'all, it's time for that to change. Y'all want this place to stop being meth haven in Alabama? You got to change. Because if you can step over into your spirit, you can say three words under his instruction that will change your whole household. And if it starts in your house and it starts in everybody's house and it starts in this house, a revival can take place that we don't have to have people standing in the gaps. for But they walk in here in the love anointing and things change just like that. That's what he wants. But I, we have to get prepared to get there. You got to stop coming in and thinking this is a one-man show. This is not you being more spiritual than that one. And what did they do? Why are they on the altar? And why is he praying for him? That ain't none of your business. You need to sweep around your own door. Satan knows. He figured it out with Eve. That if he can get you to operate in your physical senses, he's got you. He knows it. But he also knows that if you can keep your mouth shut and operate out of your spirit, you've won. Because he's dead to you. He's spoiled. Are y'all seeing this? I, I know it's more teaching today than it's been, but, but I've got to get this into you. You've got to get over into this because if you don't see this, you're not going to see anything else. You've got to understand that Satan will try to take you. Can, can I just use me as an example? When I first got saved... I just wanted to read the Bible. I'd just open it up and start reading. You know how that, you just flip it open, God showed me something, and they say, whoa, under thee. You know, you don't want to do that. April said, read the New Testament. Because I, I didn't understand. I, I didn't know anything about it. She said, read the New Testament. So I started reading the New Testament. I just thought the New Testament was about Jesus, and the Old Testament was about David and Goliath. That's what I thought. I didn't know. Well, what I did was, I started reading because I wanted to read. And there are people that do this and they're fine. But see, I'm, I'm, I wasn't one of them. I wanted to start from Genesis and read all the way over. And then once I got over into some of, some of the Ecclesiastes and I started getting over into some of the, I, st I started realizing there's a law here. Y'all know there's, there's a law, right? But I started putting the law on myself. And by the time I got to the New Testament, I was so legalistic and religious, I couldn't even get the freedom. But that's how churches are built now. You go in and, and people are so full of legalism. Now, I'm not saying you should be chaos in the church. Now, understand, I believe in being rightly in order. Don't get me wrong. But people are so religious that nobody can fail. But what, the, what you don't understand is the person that's the most religious had fail, has failed more in God's eyes because they're stuck in the Old Testament. They're not in grace. They, well, grace. There goes grace. Y'all don't know what grace means. Grace means grace is a shield that covers you and is in front of you while you're going through whatever you're going through. It's not meant for you to keep doing what you're doing. It's supposed to strengthen you to get out of that mess. So what you got to understand is if you're putting that legalism on yourself and if you have and if you've allowed churches and church people to do that to you for years, there's roots in you that have got to be plucked out 
by this word. And this word is freedom. Y'all remember what I told you freedom was? Freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. If I could get people to understand freedom, you understand things may happen. Sickness may attack. Your kids may go crazy. Your wife and your husband may go nuts. All these different things will go on. But as long as you stay in freedom, it will not return void. But you're not the Holy Spirit. You're just to listen and be guided by Him. It's, your not, it's not your job to convict people. See, I think that's the greatest misinterpretation we've ever done. Well, you know, we, we want them to live up to a standard, Pastor. They must live by a standard. Well, why don't you live by it first before you start telling them how to? I was at a church, and I won't name the church or the denomination. Cleaning their carpet, just working hard. And uh, my hose, my water hose that feeds into the truck was into the uh, parking lot there. Well, I was told nobody's going to be here today. Don't worry about it. And that's the only reason I went that day is because nobody was going to be there. I don't like being in people's way. Well, they had a men's group that morning, uh, retired men. About 20 of them showed up. And I had no idea this was happening. And my host was, and it wasn't really in anybody's way because I'm very conscious. I know people show up at church all day long. I do it. So I, I, I thought I had it out of the way. Well, I was in my truck getting some things, and I noticed my hose rattling, and I thought, what in the world is that? And I looked out the side of my truck, and, of course, there's, there's a couple men down there just slinging my, all mad, you know, just mad because my hose was in their way. And when I went down there to move it, and, and I greeted them, I said, I'm sorry. I, I was told nobody was going to be here. They were mad. Head such and such of this such and such. I'm like, hey, well, you, you can be the head all you want to, but... What, what, what's following the head is just like you, obviously. And if I was still unsaved, this is not where I would go to church. Well, how can you talk to me like that? Because I'm a pastor. And I know what I'm called to do. And I'm called to love people. Now, I just learned that a few years ago. Because I used to be this same guy. That I would, no, you ain't got to nod so profoundly. <laughs> I used to get so tight when things didn't go exactly like I wanted them to go. Well, I'm a visionary. And if it don't go like my vision, then, then why? I'm, I'm surrounded by idiots, Lord. Well, I was getting what I was saying. Well, they were flooding the door. Whew. I had to pray some of them out. But I had to change my confession because the biggest idiot was me. I was running my mouth in ways I shouldn't have been running it. I was reacting to my spiritual ministry with my five physical senses. Are y'all seeing this? And what my five physical senses were reacting to and saying were causing it to grow. And what we don't understand is early on, that'll happen and it'll sow those seeds and it'll cause slavery in the church rather than freedom. And it doesn't matter, we'll just use him up and when he's gone, we'll put somebody else in his place. No, no, no. We're supposed to nurture and love and pull people to the place of their destiny. That's our job. Our job is to get people to the place to see what God's called them to do. What, what pastor, you, you're already preaching. Not everybody's called to preach. You would be surprised. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was at a conference and... I walked in the bathroom, and there was a prominent businessman in Birmingham that I know. I know who he is. I did some remodeling. He was in this church serving. He was cleaning the bathroom while all of us pastors were in the conference. And I thought, and I even said to him, why are you doing it? With all of your knowledge, you should administrate this church. He rebuked me. 
Because he said, this is what I do for my church. Cleaning the bathroom changed his life. They didn't ask him to clean the bathroom. He prayed and said, God, what can I do to help? And when all these pastors are here, his job was to help us be able to walk into a clean and nice facility. How simple is that? That he could go home and lay his head down on a pillow. And that's, you think, that's all he did? Listen, I walk in our bathroom sometimes and I think, I wish somebody would have a heart for this place. But the truth is, this is how it works. Not everybody's called to the spectacular. When you're in a business setting and you're making decisions all day long, sometimes you just want to come in and wipe down the counter. So here it is, 1 Timothy. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now, I want to clear, I'm going to clarify all this up here in just a few minutes. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's start at verse 8. Can, can, I, can I tear a scripture apart for you without you getting mad at me? This is where we get this legalistic mindset of it's okay to set a standard for people and, and you hurt them with your standard. Verse 8 says, But we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. That is not the original translation of that text. There, do we have the New English? We don't have New English? Okay. The New English translation says it like this. And I'm paraphrasing, so you want to go look it up. The New English translation actually pulls this directly from the Hebrew. What it says was, you realize that the law cannot be completed. So you need Jesus. The issue is not that the law is good. It wasn't even that the law was bad. It was the issue that it, the whole point of the law was to get you to understand you can't live this good. Oh, but when you're in Jesus, he's already lived it. This whole mindset of Christ in me, you got to flip that around and say that you're in Christ. Because the truth is, if it's all about Jesus being in your heart, you've made yourself bigger than him. But if you're wrapped up in him saying what he says, walking like he walks, talking like he walks, accepting what he said for you and saying it as your life, you have now become what he's saying. Therefore, you're in Christ, which made Christ bigger than you. The whole mindset that Christ in me, the hope of glory, was that the hope of that glory would manifest and you would become submitted completely, not to the law, but to the love. Because, listen to me, being under the law. Now, y'all say, Pastor, this ain't like the last week. There's a reason. Because if I don't get this foundation laid, we're not going to get you to be seated. See, my whole goal in this series is we got you through crucified, we got you through dead, we got you through buried, and if I don't get you through quickening the right way, you'll never be raised and seated. Would you like to be uh, in a place where all of your problems are beneath you? That's where we're going. But you got to see this. Being so focused on the law, which means your five physical senses are how you live. When you live, let, 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 let me clarify that. When you pull yourself over into your five physical senses, you've submitted yourself back to this earth, which means you're still under law. Okay? When you do that, being in the law, and this is the best way I can describe it, is like being married to an abusive perfectionist. Doesn't matter what you do or doing it a million times, the one time you mess up, it's like none of it ever mattered. That's how the law works. But in Christ, when you've learned Christ, it doesn't matter how many times you've screwed up, how many millions of times, the one decision you make to step over into him 
None of that matters. It's just the gospel. It's just the good news. See, because what we do, we don't understand about a yoke. When you yoke yourself to something, a yoke of oxen, you have basically put the head of something into a wooden noose and tightened that thing down. And when you step over into the law, you've effectually put yourself into a yoke and you've put yourself into being in bondage of pulling whatever it is you've ever gone through, been through, or done around with you for the rest of your life. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Which means you don't even have to put it on. Which means the only thing you have to be submitted to is the fact that he loves you and you love him. And if you'll listen to him, good things will happen in your life. The problem is people are wanting good things to happen and they're not even submitting themselves to what he's saying. We can't live this life wondering why in the world is this not happening? Why in the world is that not happening? And you're not doing what he's asked you to do. Is this okay? Are y'all getting anything out of this? The law was what we were supposed to uh, want to be like. The law was created to show us a holy lifestyle. But where the law was broken was it didn't create within us a desire to live that lifestyle. The covenant, the new covenant of grace, the New Testament, which started in the book of Acts, actually, came... It wasn't an issue of showing us a, a, a whole world. It was to show us how life could be lived through Jesus. I'm trying to get you back to the first statement I made. If you could see how Jesus lived, the peace, the miraculous, the joy, the grace, the finances, in every single area, it was never designed, the law was designed for you to see a world and say, I want to live that way. Where grace was designed to get you to see Jesus and you want to live that way. Jesus perfected the law, so the law is now perfected, so legally it can't attach to you unless you say it's okay. Are y'all seeing this? I, know, I, really, I, I, I see it. I, I see the light bulb starting to go on. So I want to I just push a little further and see what we can get to. And I want to say this because I really want y'all to hear this. As a pastor, and I did this for a long time so I could speak from experience. As a pastor, if I spend my time pushing you and teaching you the law and do this this way and do this that way and bless God do this right, if I'm over in the law, then I'm sowing the seeds of defeat in you and then eventually you're going to fail. But if I've gotten to the place where I'm trying to raise you up through the love of Jesus Christ and teaching you who he is through this covenant that means you don't have to be burdened, then I've sowed victory into your life. My job is not to come in here and fire you up every Sunday. My job is to sow seed. And thank God for the last few years we've seen new harvests come in because better seeds have been sown. But as a household leader, whether, whether you're the only spiritual person in your house or whether you're the man of your house, that is the same job you have. Your household will never get to a place where it's above all of its problems if you keep sowing all of its problems over and over and over. And we've got to get to the place where the law has no say. We've got to get to the place where we learn Christ. Y'all see this? 
One more thing, and then we're going to go. Let me, let me read this to you. I want to I make sure that I get this to you. If you learn Christ, you can do it this way. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. If I, while he's getting that, if I teach you only law, listen to me now. I'm trying to be transparent. Y'all, y'all, everybody look at me. I know you're writing, but look at me. And I want you all to see my heartbeat here. As a pastor, because I've been under this for so long and I've been under so much man. If I teach you the law, I'm really only trying to control you through the fear of your own failure. If I, if I try to set this spiritual level, I grew, I grew up and I got my spiritual roots in a church that if you didn't hit this spiritual level, you weren't spiritual. And I got in such bondage to my own spirituality that I became arrogant and prideful. And if it, but, but, but it's love that brings freedom. It's love that brings a grace. It's love that brings you to a place where you can't be controlled by this. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are, uh, are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That's another misinterpreted scripture that says, I can do anything I want to, even if it's not fruitful. No, no, no. Look at the last part. But I will not be brought under the power of any. Which means there's nothing in your life that you should ever be doing, putting into your body, putting into your eye sockets, putting in any, there's nothing that you should be doing that should have any power over you. No, God is not imputing your sin against you. He's just giving you some good advice to not be bound by anything else. See, we use these scriptures to try to control people. And we were never designed to control people. If Paige walked out of here tomorrow... Raise your hand, Paige. That's my daughter. She's out here for the... She's been back there with them kids for a long time. Does she do a good job with those kids? She needed a break today. It, you know, so every once in a while, somebody needs to have a break. But if she throws her hands up and says, I'm not ever going back to church again. Now, now she knows better. <laughs> but if she does that, it's well within her spiritual right to do that. Do you understand? It's well within her right to do that. But... This comes back to the forsaking of this, forsake not the assembly. That has nothing to do with church attendance. That has to do with the mindset of the family you've been put in. See, this whole church attendance thing's blown out. But if she says, I'm never going back to church again, she's well within her right to do that. But eventually what's in her, what's in her, if she turns her back on the grace of what's in her, will become law. And she'll begin to beat herself up over the things she used to know. And everything that she's ever wanted, desired, every prosperity she's ever had, her children, her husband, it'll affect every single thing. And what she's done is she's done this. She's been brought under the power of things that had no right to touch her. You got to understand, when that happens... People come to these altars because they're so bound by things on this planet. It takes them years to get free because they've used everything they've ever been taught or either they've been taught from a mindset of control that they don't understand that God's not mad at them, but people may be. And my wife will tell you that I've just learned I honestly don't have the words in the English language to describe how much I don't care if you don't like me. I love you all. But if he tells me to do it, it's not up to you to tell me I can. 
Likewise, if he tells you to do it, who is man to tell you you can't do what God said? I'm so tired of the church having to beg people to do things. Uh, You should be able to hear God and do things. And the church shouldn't have to beg, and you shouldn't have to beg a pastor to love you. Oh, come on now. We got to learn that this thing is built on love and love. It's built on the simple fact that we're walking this thing out the same way, that we're all looking for freedom, and freedom is in the room, but it's up to you whether you take it or not. Because you haven't learned Christ. So let me say this. The freedom that people make is their own bondage. Just like if a page decides to leave. It's the same thing. And I'm just using that example because she ain't going nowhere. You ever seen those kids in Walmart? See, now when I was growing up, this wouldn't happen. But today it happens all the time. See, when I was growing up, first of all, we didn't have a store that we had to go to 45 times a week. That didn't exist. (laughs) <laughs> we went to the grocery store once a month, twice if we were, I mean, if we had some extra money come in. And, and if I asked for a piece of candy and Mama said no, you know what that meant? No. You know what it means to today's generation? Ask again. Ask till you get it. Now, this generation it doesn't apply to, but from I'm 42. My generation uh, and older, we understand this, that our whining and complaining about what we didn't get has created a prison for us when we get home. And some punishment, amen? But that's how things work in the spirit. That's really how things work. I'm talking about the spirit realm, not with Jesus. When you're whining and complaining about, he don't love me, she don't love me, God ain't blessing me, I tithe two times, what's going on? You just gave Satan ammunition to box you in. And to keep talking to you about your failure. And if he can keep talking to you, you're going to keep... Listen, the whole point of Adam and Eve... Can can I just deal with this real quick then we're going to go home. This whole thing about Adam and Eve... Well, you know, if Adam... How many many of y'all have heard the old school mindset? Well, if Adam would have been doing his job as a man, Eve wouldn't have... Come on, man. She was the same. She was the download of Adam. Adam was a download of God. He was standing back just like God stood back watching to see the reaction. Because God looked at Adam when Adam was naming the animals to see if Adam got the proper download. That's the, the, listen, Adam didn't make up the name lion, cow, tree. That, God already called these things that such. He just wanted to make sure that Adam was saying what he was saying. So Adam stood back and watched Eve Wanting Eve to say what Adam would say. Now listen, Adam watched her step over it. Because listen, Adam was enough like God that he was not going to see like, like April will see me stepping over into something. She'll slap me back. She'll tell, she gets on me, don't you? Look at her grin. Y'all, y'all see, y'all think she's sweet. Y'all don't get it. But she's my biggest fan and she keeps me on track. Adam didn't do that because there was no need to because they were God downloads. They were offspring. So Adam couldn't stop her because he didn't have in him the nature to come against a free moral agent because God can't. <laughs> Y'all know, it, so when he saw her free moral agent do something that got her into a world he couldn't go into, 
rather than waiting and hearing from his father because he was the God download and so full of love, he took an eight to go get her, but he never listened first. It was an improper act of love. It is an improper act of love for me to tell you God loves you and it's all good. Real love says God loves you, but you must learn Christ. Put Jesus in your heart, but let him learn to cover you. It's the covering of Jesus that's the greatest thing you'll ever have. There are people all over this world that I hope they make it to heaven. I can't say whether they will or not. They don't go to church. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible. They don't watch preaching on TV. They don't care about anything you have to say. But if you go talk to them, they'll say, oh, I have Jesus in my heart. Well, good. But how about you be in Christ? Because it's love. When you realize that Adam, who was the first Jesus, even he acted improperly because he didn't wait to hear spiritually. He acted physically because he didn't hear spiritually. And I've just spent an hour explaining this to you to bring you to this point that when you leave here today you've got to make a commitment that you won't act physically that you won't speak physically that you won't, you won't even show it on your face I know that's tough for some of y'all you can't even reveal you can't even reveal it until you've heard from him because listen oh this is the good stuff if you hear from him, there's always peace, there's always victory, and there's always an end result. Amen. God is so good that even if he asks you to do it and you even miss it a little bit while you're doing it, he'll cover you. It's the stuff that you do without him he can't cover. Because my kids had to learn to walk. The first time they fell, I just didn't punt them out the door and say, well, let's make another one. It looks like we did that. <laughs> but we didn't. <laughs> Everybody's got to learn to walk this out. Adam's biggest failure was not that he didn't, listen to me, Adam's failure was not that he didn't stop Eve. Adam's fall was not that he was rebellious. Listen, listen, five more minutes. I still got time, it ain't noon. Adam couldn't rebel because he was the nature of God. All he could do was love. But because he was physical and spiritual, he put the love in the wrong side. Well, Adam just rebelled. Preacher, I don't believe you. Great, that's wonderful. Then since you know so much, open your Bible and show me before that and after that where Adam was ever rebellious again. It never happened. Because he reacted without listening. It's tough. Listen, when people hurt you, we've been designed to fix ourselves. We, we, we are taught, we are taught from, from, from little, little, little bitty kids, well, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's the biggest lie you can tell a kid. But it's not the other people's words you need to be worried about. It's the words coming out of your own mouth. If freedom is what you do with what's been done to you, then bondage is trying to fix 
what's been done to you yourself. You can't fix it. You can't fix it. Hey guys, you can't fix it. You can be healed from it. When you break a bone, there is forever a mark that they can tell that that's you. But when God heals a bone, there's no evidence there was ever a break. So when man touches it, there's man residue. But if God touches it, your past, your present, and your future are whole. And in one breath, crucifixion, death, and burial, it's just a memory. I can't remember the old man. I can't. I try to. My kids remind me of stories I tell them. But the truth is, I don't go places to give my testimony for that particular reason. I'd hate testimonies. Let me tell you why. I'm not going to remind Satan that he ever had me. Because as far as I'm concerned, I am his worst enemy right now. This area right here has got some folks that's after him. He's on the run. You've got to understand that when I say the words happens to me all the time, I mean it. Well, pastor, you know, somebody blessed you with $1,000. Happens to me all the time. You know, you just, uh, your daddy cracks me up. Uh, the tornadoes will come through and E.B. will come by the house. and be like, there ain't never a limb in that preacher's yard. Happens to me all the time. You think you're special. I do. I do. And so are you. You are his favorite. How can that be? Because she's my favorite Paige. And he's my favorite Caleb. And he's my favorite Gabriel. They're all my favorites. And there's something about each and every one of them that's unique. He's my favorite Seth. And there's something about you he's put in every single one of you that's unique. That he wants to grow up and blow up. But you're letting things and hurts and pains stop you. And it's improper reaction and not letting him touch it. Because if God touches it, the only thing that's left is the residue of him. Do y'all get anything from this? We're going somewhere. We're stepping over into a place to where... See, I've taught you this. I've taught you lostology. We're in this place. The whole point of this is to get you to seated. Because if I can get you seated, it means you've realized you're royalty. And I've never seen Queen Elizabeth cutting her own grass. I've never seen her wash her own car. They just show up at places and stars want to be around them. Because they're royal. Now we don't understand royalty here. Because we think they're mascots. Ultimately. But in a monarchy. When you're royal. Whatever the monarchy has. You have. And the kingdom of God is a monarchy. It's not the democracy we think it is. You can't debate with God and get your way. So when I get you to, we're going through quickening. We're going to be here a couple more weeks. I got some, this is just, this is foundational. I know it's boring. You ever seen them pour concrete? It's boring. That's what we're doing today. But we're going somewhere. When I get you to seated, can I, can I tell you that there is a place that every time you pray, you get results? And that's where we're going.